0: And if you want to take the conversations of your fans to the next level, you can even do Q&A's and polls direct through that same feed. Spotify for podcasters. Get it now. I am the color red in a world full of black and white. We're here. I am the eater of worlds. I... Bray Wyatt am um, forever On August 24th, 2023 the wrestling world collectively mourned the loss of Wyndham Rotunda, known to wrestling fans as Bray Wyatt For fans, it was the loss of one of wrestling's most creative minds, but for his family and friends, it was the loss of one of the most incredible human beings they ever knew It's hard to put into words how much of an impact Wyatt had on WWE in the last 10 years or so, and all of wrestling for that matter. And what he has left behind is a void that can never be filled by anybody else, simply because there will be nobody like him. As we celebrate the incredible career of Bray Wyatt, let's give our thoughts and prayers to his family during this incredibly challenging time. He was born into wrestling royalty as a third-generation superstar. His grandfather was the legendary Blackjack Mulligan, while his father was Mike Rotunda, who you may know from the 1990s as IRS, WWE's villainous tax collector. And being that third-generation superstar, it made it easier for him in 2009 to debut with WWE's developmental territory Florida Championship Wrestling, place where he would be on and off for the next few years. At first, he teamed with his brother, Bo Dallas, then known as Bo Rotundo, and it only took the pair a few months to become FCW Tag Team Champions. A year later, he joined WWE NXT, which you may know back in the time was a game show format, basically a kayfabe tryout to get into the WWE main roster style show, and his mentor was Cody Rhodes, another second-generation superstar who had only been a wrestler for four years at that point. With a record of four and four on the NXT game show, he was unfortunately eliminated. And at the time, he wasn't going by the name Bray Wyatt. No, he was known at the time as Husky Harris. Yeah, and he debuted on the main roster only a month later at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, helping Wade Barrett defeat John Cena, a man he would later have a history with. Even though he, Husky Harris, and Michael McGillicuddy, the son of Mr. Perfect, helped Barrett, he refused to let them join his upstart faction known as The Nexus until they proved themselves. Despite failing to beat Cena and Randy Orton in a tag-team bout, they were inducted into the group anyway. But apart from the run not really clicking all that well, it led to Wyatt or Husky Harris. Yeah, we're still getting used to saying that. As he was known then, being quietly sent back to FCW, courtesy of a punt to the head from Randy Orton. While being sent back to developmental is normally a bad sign, right? This actually turned out to be a complete blessing the best possible outcome for him to join this class of FCW because he got to cross paths with future superstars and champions like Big E, Dean Ambrose, Rusev and Corey Graves, just to name a few. Picking up where he left off, he teamed with his brother Bo once again and they became two-time FCW Tag Team Champions, but there was much bigger plans for him then. He was then repackaged as a cult-like leader who was named Bray Wyatt. And it seemed a whole lot similar to characters we've seen in movies like Cape Fear. And not too long after, FCW became NXT as we know it today. With an entirely new, deeper, darker direction, Wyatt was a force to be reckoned with in the early days of NXT. He appeared on NXT television anyway, and this was when he introduced the Wyatt family to the world. The first recruiting was Luke Harper, then known on the independent circuit as Big Brody Lee, and then Eric Rowan to his faction, leading them to a tag team title. He was one of the few standouts in NXT to feel like a complete character and not just a bell to bell performer. His first actual loss in NXT was to his brother, now known as Bo Dallas who was a couple months away from becoming NXT champion. While Bo's run in NXT was far more successful at the time, it didn't matter much as WWE felt Wyatt was ready once again for the big time. A series of cryptic vignettes hyping the debut on the much bigger stage of the dreaded Wyatt family were brewing on television. They made an impact on July 8th, 2013, attacking WWE legend Kane. Bray Wyatt's reintroduction to the eyes of many WWE fans came against Kane at SummerSlam, that year in Los Angeles in a Ring of Fire Inferno match. Yeah, and guess what? Wyatt and his crew got the best of Kane and dominated him. The rest of 2013 was building up Wyatt as a credible force, and it worked. His charisma was mesmerizing. He casted a spell as a swamp wizard over the WWE universe, and his first major feud occurred at the end of 2013, when he targeted WWE's hottest star at the time, going right into WrestleMania season. In what is one of the fondly-remembered stories of his career, he managed to recruit a resistant Daniel Bryan. It only lasted a few weeks, as fans certainly wanted Daniel Bryan to go in a different direction, but still loved them some Bray Wyatt. And after losing a steel cage match on Monday Night Raw to the Usos, Daniel Bryan quickly turned on Bray Wyatt, taking off his dull gray prison suit and forging his own path on the way to WrestleMania. and what can only be described as one of the biggest pops in Monday Night Raw history at the time, Daniel Bryan had the entire arena doing the yes chant in unison. Bray Wyatt did get the last laugh in their feud, beating Bryan abruptly, putting a bump in the road for him to WrestleMania at the Royal Rumble. The following month in February, we got to see one of the best six-man tag team matches of all time when Bray Wyatt led the Wyatt family to take on The Shield. Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns in an instant classic six-man tag match at Elimination Chamber. Maybe one of the best six-man matches of all time in WWE. Why, that was never officially a feud? We may never know. Yeah, that could have been a WrestleMania main event. But there was another big Mania Magic match waiting for Bray Wyatt. The momentum kept rolling for Wyatt, and he was so over. And when you get so over in the last 20 years in WWE, and you're a villain, there is just one destination, just one name you must chase. And you're chasing him at the right time going into the biggest show of the year. Bray Wyatt had a target on John Cena. Wyatt, in just a few years as a reintroduced character, was now going to face the biggest hero in modern WWE history in his first ever WrestleMania match. It was a big deal, and the pairing was good. Cena was certainly a conflicted superhero, and Bray Wyatt, with all of his mind games, was able to exploit all of this and tell a captivating story in New Orleans. The build to it was very entertaining, with Wyatt criticizing Cena's false personality and trying to bring out the worst in his character. Some have retrospectively criticized this as an opportunity for WWE to have Wyatt defeat WWE's franchise player, but he lost at WrestleMania, a decision that baffled some and could be a theme in his career moving forward, especially during those big match moments. Wyatt eventually got one back over at Cena following up at Extreme Rules inside a steel cage. Cena was literally the last man standing at payback when he buried Wyatt underneath a ton of equipment to end their rivalry. For the next six years after going two and one in a series of matches against Chris Jericho his ties with the rest of the Wyatt family were abruptly cut off they were still a very over faction with him setting Harper and Rowan free to embark on their own singles journeys the rest of the year was actually quite good for him He had an extremely one-sided feud with Dean Ambrose, beating him at Survivor Series, the main event of TLC, a miracle in 34th street fight on Monday Night Raw, and an ambulance match on the first Raw of 2015. We didn't even mention that he defeated Dean Ambrose earlier that year in a WWE title qualifying match. It was a rough time for Ambrose post-Shield, but it was still a strong time for Wyatt. WrestleMania season approached in 2015. And Wyatt, a supernatural character in his own right, was now calling out THE supernatural character in WWE. The Undertaker, who hadn't been seen since his shocking loss at WrestleMania 30, the end of the streak against Brock Lesnar. Wyatt went on the record in an interview with Busted Open that year, saying that his aspirations in WWE weren't just for a WWE championship, but they were for this match with this opponent, on this show. The match at Mania made sense. The build to it was all Wyatt. That's right, Undertaker never appeared on TV once in the build-up to WrestleMania 31. Although many wanted it to be a passing of the torch with Undertaker taking the fall to the new ghostly character of WWE, The Taker simply beat him clean and left after a few months leaving another portion of the vocal fanbase frustrated that Wyatt wasn't getting his just due in these big match moments. If you followed WWE in 2015, you probably remember just how frustrating it was to watch Roman Reigns, a guy who had a whole lot of talent, just be put in this role that didn't fit him. It's even more ridiculous in hindsight how you realize they took another five years to truly unlock his potential, when no fans were there in the Thunderdome. Remember that? Regardless, Wyatt did a better job than anybody else in making Roman Reigns popular. He was popular. And their feud in 2015 was arguably the best that WWE had in an otherwise lackluster year. And this program wasn't as one-sided as you may think. Wyatt picked up the win in their first match at Battleground after reuniting with Luke Harper, while Roman had Dean Ambrose at his side to get a win over them at SummerSlam. It was then that Wyatt had to pull in some big reinforcements in the form of Braun Strowman, who was introduced to the world as the next member of the Wyatt family, getting plucked straight out of WWE's developmental camps after just two matches. Yes, there's a lot of baba in this big black sheep. The peak of this war between Wyatt and Reigns was on the September 28th episode of Raw, when Wyatt faced Reigns in a deserving spot in the main event, making the crowd go berserk after a no contest match ended with Roman Reigns spearing Wyatt on top of the announcer's desk. Unfortunately for Bray Wyatt fans, the feud was really made to elevate Roman Reigns as the guy, the babyface superhero of WWE. And they had their last televised match against each other at Hell in a Cell. A really good Hell in a Cell, but the big dog barked big and picked up the big W. Sorry Wyatt fans. Fret not, Fireflies. Despite this, later in the night, the Wyatt family returned to carry out the limp body of the Undertaker after he was defeated at the hands of Brock Lesnar in the main event. This set up a feud for Survivor Series where Wyatt and Harper would face the Brothers of Destruction, Undertaker, and Kane. And since Survivor Series that year was centered around being the 25th anniversary of The Undertaker's debut, there was no way that the Brothers of Destruction were losing to the Wyatts. But that's okay, come on, we got this exciting tag team clash of supernatural powers. In what was seemingly an effort to help the Wyatt's regain momentum, WWE got the Dudley Boys to team up with the returning Tommy Dreamer and Rhino. Yes, an extreme reunion to only lose to the Wyatt family. Thank you, Philly Faithful. You got the momentum back for Wyatt, and it seemed like WWE had huge plans for Wyatt at that year's WrestleMania, as on the Raw before the 2016 Royal Rumble, he had an interaction with this big guy you may know as Brock Lesnar. But as they say in WWE history, plans change, pal. Dean Ambrose was gaining momentum while Roman Reigns took the main event spot at WrestleMania. WWE decided to change things up, shake things up again, and booked Ambrose versus Lesnar for Mania instead, while Wyatt was left without a match for the first time since his WrestleMania debut two years prior, while still being a red hot way over with the fans character. Instead, WWE had the Wyatt family confront. The Rock at WrestleMania 32. For the third year in a row, WrestleMania ended with Bray Wyatt looking up at the lights, defeated at the hands of a legend. Yeah, and he didn't even get to have a match on this one. This may seem like a very frustrating moment for a Bray Wyatt fan, just shaking their lantern, hoping the lights stay on because it was so clear how much talent he had, how misutilized he was. Why aren't they following my fantasy booking? There seemed to be a ray of hope the next night on Raw, when the Wyatt family attacked the League of Nations, seemingly turning face for the first time in their WWE careers. Despite all the big losses and big matches, Bray Wyatt's popularity was massive and undeniable, and this seemed to be the right time to go in a new direction with the character. This turn was seemingly cemented on the second Raw after WrestleMania 32, when Wyatt teamed up with his arch nemesis, Roman Reigns, to face Alberto Del Rio and Sheamus. In what can be one of the coolest pinning sequences ever, Wyatt covered Alberto Del Rio while pointing his fingers at Sheamus Unfortunately, it was one of only two days after this in a house show, an untelevised match in Italy, when Bray Wyatt suffered an injury, instantly taking him away from this momentum he had post-mania. When he returned in a few months, the Wyatt family were once again villains, and once again in a feud with a fresh pair, a fresh trio, the New Day. It was light versus darkness, and it led to a weird and out there match on the Wyatt Compound. Yes, fighting with the crickets chirping in the background and the swampy air between them. And some people just said that this was a clear ripoff of stuff we were seeing on Impact Wrestling with the final deletion match. But I guess what? I loved it. Yeah, slam someone on a car hood. The first WWE draft in several years would break up a member of the Wyatt family, a big member with Braun Strowman going off on his own monstrous future. Bray Wyatt would get drafted over to SmackDown Live where he was an integral part of a brief but glorious era of WWE television. Wyatt thrived on SmackDown. Despite a rough start, losing at the hands of Dolph Ziggler who became the number one contender for Dean Ambrose and the WWE Championship, he seemed to find his groove and began a storyline with a fellow sinister superstar in Randy Orton. It was a bit underwhelming at first until the big twist came when Orton ended up aligning himself with the Wyatts. In a very good Survivor Series elimination style match, Bray Wyatt got the win over Team SmackDown after Randy Orton took the bullet for him, yes, allowing Wyatt to hit his sister Abigail finishing maneuver on Roman Reigns for the win, a big one. It was a reoccurring theme that Wyatt could quickly get momentum on his side, and this intriguing alliance with Randy Orton as a faithful follower made for a very good story, because we knew Orton could turn on his friends, as he has done in the past. When would he turn on the Swamp Wizard? It even led to him becoming Tag Team Champions with Wyatt, and although their reign didn't last long, it proved a purpose as both men were about to have outrageously good starts to the year 2017. Randy Orton went on to win the Royal Rumble in 2017. Bray Wyatt went on to win the Elimination Chamber match a couple of weeks later, becoming WWE Champion for the first time, a crowning moment. Yes, all of the naysayers knew that the spell had been casted and truly WWE had let him in. In hindsight, this may be the defining moment of his career, maybe one of the better title wins of his career, but it could have gotten a lot better if it just wasn't handled as bad as it got. Even on SmackDown after Elimination Chamber, Bray Wyatt pinned John Cena. Yeah, you heard that, he pinned John Cena. And Cena even whispered the ears, you're a proper champion now, as he took the pinfall. A story that could have been the best of the year quickly went spiraling down when Randy Orton turned on our man Wyatt. How dare you turn? Randy Orton, proving that he is once again truly an evil snake person, burned down the Wyatt compound and posed in front of it. Yeah, somehow it took everything away from the momentum that Wyatt had, although he could have been overlooked by having Wyatt retain the WWE Championship over Orton at WrestleMania 33. It turned out to be one of the most underwhelming world title matches on a mania. Yeah, they projected snakes and bugs onto the ring. It was a part of the whole Wyatt overwhelmingly supernatural motif. Yeah, but it was just a little bit too much. Another mania and another letdown for Bray. He was quickly moved over to Raw after the superstar shakeup where he defeated Randy Orton in a House of Horrors match. Yeah, that one was another overcooked presentation, and all the momentum he had from his SmackDown Live run simply just didn't feel as hot. This run, admittedly, was one of the weaker parts of his career. He got to beat Seth Rollins. Yeah, that's a big deal. It was a brief but not memorable feud before he was on the losing end of another overproduced feud with the demon Finn Balor at SummerSlam. After losing a second time, their third bout was supposed to see him wrestle as Sister Abigail, you know, that female horror character that was like a ghost he would reference? Yeah, against a pumpkin demon Balor? We don't even know what this was supposed to be exactly. After Bray Wyatt and other key members of the WWE roster got a sickness, there was a forced change to the TLC pay-per-view, with Vince McMahon calling SmackDown's AJ Styles all the way from South America in the last minute to replace Wyatt against Finn Balor. Another untimely setback for Bray in a big match, and it led to the first ever match between Balor and AJ Styles. As for Bray, the sickness he had led to a feud against Balor abruptly ending and a new one with Matt Hardy beginning. This was a Matt Hardy who was revived, returning to WWE after a breakout period with Impact Wrestling and his broken persona, taking cinematic wrestling matches, breaking through dimensions and portals. Yeah, they were doing some out there stuff. And who's more out there than Bray Wyatt? Now known as Woken Matt Hardy, he got to tangle with Wyatt in some truly over-the-top outrageously weird matches that saw Hardy throw Wyatt into the lake of reincarnation. Although Wyatt was omitted from WrestleMania card yet again, he finally turned face by helping Matt Hardy win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, starting a brief but memorable run together named the deleter of worlds, what a cool name. The duo won the Raw Tag Team Titles from The Bar at the greatest Royal Rumble only to lose them to the B team of Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas. Yeah, that's right, his brother, a little over 2 months later at Extreme Rules. Hardy was dealing with an injury and needed to take time off, resulting in an unfortunate and abrupt end to their partnership. Getting a long hiatus himself, Wyatt used the time to think and obsess over ideas for a new, out there, even deeper, darker twist, an incarnation we had never seen before. If there's anything that speaks volumes about Wyatt's dedication, it's this quote from Braun Strowman, who revealed that the two friends didn't speak to each other for a long time during this hiatus. We went for a while without even talking because he went so deep into this character, he shut himself out from the world. And the result of this was seen after WrestleMania 35 in 2019, when a series of eerie, creepy vignettes led the debut of a demented, out-there, kid show in WWE, The Firefly Fun House. WWE took careful steps to give Bray Wyatt the freedom to execute his twisted vision while not overexposing him. And that could be seen in the fact that it took nearly four months from his return on Raw to him having a reintroduction in the ring. And when WWE did give Wyatt a greater creative freedom, there was instantly more hype, more anticipation for him and everything he would do when the bell rang. Although people were surprised at the kid show like Pee Wee Herman from Hell presentation that was this fun house, this character had a payoff in the form of The Fiend, the closest thing WWE had to Jason Voorhees or Freddy Krueger, and it was immensely successful. At SummerSlam 2019, Finn Balor was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he became The Fiend's first victim. The first entrance of The Fiend was unlike anything anyone had seen before. It was truly chilling, and moving and captivating. This was a real horror monster come to life in the WWE ring. Wyatt was seemingly in the shadow of The Undertaker, being unfairly compared to The Phenom solely for having that whole, you know, out there dark character, right? Despite not being the same at all. With The Fiend, he was able to get out of that shadow and establish his own creepy, All of the details were things that stuck with you. The gnarled flesh of the mask, the lantern showcasing his old self with his eyes stitched shut and his mouth stretched open, the eerie, extremely out there heavy music. His entire presence was instantly turning him into an attraction unto itself. Add WWE's unmatched production muscle to the mix and it's not hard to see why there was an instant hit with this character. The crowd was chanting, this was awesome, to a battered Finn Balor at the hands of the Fiend who dominated SummerSlam in its debut. That should tell you something you need to know. WWE understood this and used Wyatt as a pay-per-view attraction. He never really wrestled on free TV around this time, and even the additions of side characters like Mercy the Buzzard and Rambling Rabbit, Abby the Witch, and later Huskus the Pig, they weren't all for nothing. They all expanded the expansion of this universe while shutting away the older version of Wyatt. It was a depth of character playing on the past while building on the future, It was the type of thing that WWE wasn't doing with anyone else on television. Seth Rollins was still one of the best pro wrestlers in the world, and the WWE Universal Champion, but that didn't stop fans from really starting to turn against him. One thing that they were turning onto was The Fiend, so the two were bound to clash for the title. But it ended up being one of the most disastrous Hell in a Cell matches ever. Yeah, under the glow of red lights, WWE opted to have the match, and in this weird, messy, non-finish, with Rollins still the champion, even though a lot of them wanted to see that belt on the fiend A miscalculation by WWE, or at least that was what was reported. These same reports were confirmed to be true when Seth Rollins later revealed in an interview that he was ready to quote, strangle WWE boss Vince McMahon backstage, and Wyatt chained in by hinting that he was even more furious about the chosen finish. Either way, they had a much better match at Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia with The Fiend capturing the WWE Universal Championship. Maybe the horrific character should have done it in the horrific match in the cage a month earlier, but you know how it went. Daniel Bryan had an outrageously entertaining match with The Fiend at Royal Rumble and retained the championship coming out of it and was also able to vanquish The Miz before he brought that same championship to Saudi Arabia again to take on Goldberg in February of 2020. While still having all of that momentum, he was simply defeated clean in the middle in three minutes. Wyatt was once again at the hands of a WWE legend, a sacrificial lamb to someone coming in who wouldn't be there for long. And if you weren't there, we can't truly describe the nerd rage and backlash that this creative call received online, especially since the fiend was by far the hottest and most protected character in WWE for nearly a year before this defeated in three Quick minutes. The pandemic would soon hit. WWE wouldn't have their fans to light up the arenas for The Fiend anymore, but that didn't mean the story ended, and it turned into a new creative challenge within the confines of the WWE Performance Center. This was when The Fiend confronted John Cena, wanting to get revenge from six years before at WrestleMania. This year's Mania, with no fans, allowed WWE to do some very different things. Just one night after the success of The Undertaker and AJ Styles' cinematic presentation of the Boneyard match, we saw the Firefly Funhouse match. This was a surreal brainchild of both Cena and Wyatt, who took every different type of creative liberty they could to make this weird mixture of avant-garde inside references, even having Cena turn heel within a match where he was a babyface. It was out there, it was wonderfully weird and filled with all of these cool Easter eggs for fans at home that just wanted a little bit of the wrestling escape while the world was a very stressful place. Yeah, Cena was even in the NWO for a little bit. It was too sweet. Wyatt did get his win over Cena back in a very unconventional way here by simply having him disappear without any explanation. It's one of those things that will undoubtedly stand the test of time and be acknowledged for what it was, an absolute insane masterpiece. As that year's WrestleMania saw Braun Strowman replace Roman Reigns and defeat Goldberg for the WWE Universal Championship, it was now two former Wyatt family brothers going against each other as SmackDown's main program, still with no fans present for the next four months. Alexa Bliss, with her wide eyes, gazed within the brainwashed spell of The Fiend, would become his twisted romantic sidekick. Yes, she had fallen for the spell and even Braun Strowman couldn't break it from her. Roman Reigns would soon return and change it all by hijacking the WWE Universal Championship run just one week after Wyatt became a three-time world champion at SummerSlam 2020. Yes, Reigns was back and Payback was him winning at Payback. The final feud of his run under the mask of the Fiend saw him target another old foe in Randy Orton. It featured a shocking moment at TLC 2020 when Wyatt's body was set on fire. Yes, this was one of the most outrageous things presented in WWE's no fan time of the Thunderdome. It gave him a few months before he returned in March, just in time for WrestleMania, where WWE could finally be in front of some fans and he could get his full revenge on Randy Orton with his gnarled, burned flesh. But at WrestleMania 37, Night 2, the crowd was given something they weren't expecting in the opening match. Why was it underwhelming? Because Alexa Bliss turned on The Fiend, for no rhyme or reason, sitting atop a big, turned-up toy box, and Orton winning yet again with an RKO. The record books will always show that Alexa Bliss has a pinfall over Randy Orton and not Bray Wyatt. Just imagine that. The sad reality is that this marked the end of the Fiends run in WWE, and Bray Wyatt was shockingly released a few months later. I mean, shockingly. It was one of the biggest surprising reactions to a WWE superstar getting released when many viewed him as a WWE lifer, someone who had been so successful, sold so much merchandise, developed so many new fans for the company, and he was simply just let go. He got a well-deserved break from wrestling for over a year, and despite rumors that he was incredibly close to signing with AEW and maybe even Impact Wrestling at one point, he did have discussions with Impact at one point. WWE was his only home. He may have flirted with the idea of doing something in the horror movie world, but Triple H made sure to bring him back as soon as he took over the creative reigns of WWE in 2022. The time away also allowed Bray to come up with a new character, with WWE cleverly building up huge amounts of hype online and on TV for his return. It started with a different rendition of Jefferson Airplane's White Rabbit song playing at WWE live events. That's right. Not television before QR codes started popping up on TV screens, a clear reference to something that was coming. There was no doubt about the fact that it was Wyatt's return. But despite the obvious, it led to a huge increase in WWE's social media engagement, with fans loving the build-up to the return, each clue leading to another secret link that gave you another tidbit of the payoff that was to come, with Wyatt returning at Extreme Rules to a massive ovation and a huge presentation. Once again, he proved his ability to, to truly capture the imagination of fans, reinvent himself, and there was a slow-burning buildup to his first match. Rather than rushing anything, WWE once again took their time to introduce a new folklore around Bray Wyatt with Uncle Howdy, a new twisted character playing on his past, an incarnation of old challenges, and incorporating new elements into his character, something that some fans began to get a little fickle with over the do of it just simply taking so much time. Despite how brief his third run was, the highlight of it was elevating L.A. Knight. The rivalry between Wyatt and L.A. Knight didn't last long in the ring. It played out through many different promo, interview, backstage reactions, and obviously promos that played off both men's charisma the eventual clash at the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match at Royal Rumble 2023 certainly didn't deliver on the hype of not seeing Wyatt in the ring for over a year. But LA Knight somehow, even in losing, came out the better from this. If it wasn't for this feud, he may have been the loser, but this match made him a bigger star. Wyatt was criticized a lot through his WWE career. And he may not have gotten the right support in big matches, but one thing is true. He created a mythology within the WWE lore that has endured a lot of criticism because it truly captured people's imagination, allowing them to escape into something that on paper sounds absolutely outrageous, but with his ability and his will to make it something you could get lost in, You got lost in it. For lack of a better phrase, we all let him in. But during moments of tragedy like this, we are all a lot kinder and accepting enough to understand that beyond the bright lights, fame, and fortune, Bray Wyatt, like everyone else, was a human being. He was open about his mental health struggles, especially when it came to losing his best friend, Brody Lee, as well as a college friend he lost along the way named Mark. When speaking to Ryan Satin on the Out of Character podcast, Wyatt admitted that during his WWE absence, he felt like he lost everything. I lost a lot of things. I lost my career. I lost two people who were very, very close to me. And I lost my way. I got to a point where I thought that everything that I had ever done here otherwise, I thought was all meaningless. Bray Wyatt was never the next Undertaker. He was the first and only Bray Wyatt there ever will be. He was one of the greatest minds in all of wrestling history and someone who lived and breathed this business. He will go down as one of the greatest of his generation. No matter how much people think he wasn't this or that, he was something bigger than this or that. Bigger than a match, bigger than a win or a loss. He was a character you will never forget. Wyndham Rotunda's influence is something we are going to see for generations to come. So don't be surprised and say 2035 when an up-and-coming WWE superstar out of NXT says Wyatt was their biggest influence. There are fireflies right now, and they're going to keep glowing on and on. Before we go, we're going to leave you with a quote from his Instagram post from January 2020 acknowledging all of the criticisms that he had received my life is art my art successes and my loved ones are the only exit I have from my mental health you have no idea how much of a simple thoughtless comment on social media can directly affect the person you are sending it to with great power comes great responsibility. The negativity in our world is astonishing, and mental health as at an all-time decline. Be better. It could save a life. They saved mine. Thank you, Bray Wyatt. Thank you, Wyndham Rotunda.